Welcome to History 21, the podcast, a production of the Anoka County Historical Society, sharing the stories and audio journeys from our county's past and present. Hey, Rebecca. Hello, Sarah. In this time of COVID where we haven't been seeing all of our regular friends and volunteers at the museum, I've missed story time. We had some literal story times there for a while with a couple volunteers. Yes, volunteers, they have such interesting lives. And I don't want to say like, oh, I suddenly realized they have interesting lives. (laughs) People have experiences beyond volunteering at the museum or beyond the borders of Anoka County, even though we're the Anoka County Historical Society. Everything makes you the person that you are. So I know we've got people that have done Peace Corps work or served in wars, done medical missions, some really impressive things like that. Even the stories in our collection from people who lived in Anoka County extend beyond our borders. I'm thinking about Randy Bauer. He jumped in a kayak one summer with friends and Headed down the Mississippi to make a loop around the waterway and all the way back to Minnesota. And we have the kayak. We have the kayak on a very tall shelf. (laughs) (laughs) We go places too, right? (laughs) Well, yeah, I do. I managed to squeak a trip into Australia last year between the wildfires and COVID. Yeah, you made it just at the end. By the skin of my chinny chin chin, as they say. You weren't quite so lucky with that one, were you? I did not. I was so proud of myself two years ago, two and a half years ago now, I put in a vacation request. Uh, You were very proud of me at that time. It's like, I'm going on vacation. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to go with my mother to Germany and it was going to be the summer of 2020. That didn't happen. Our podcast today is with one of our volunteers, Erin, and she has made a few big trips uh, after growing up in Andover. Yep, there was a six-year period where she was teaching out in Korea and managed to pick up the beginning of COVID there and then the beginning of COVID when she got back to the States. Get to experience it twice. Let's jump on in. Sounds good. We'll see you on the flip side. I'm super excited to be here with Aaron of Andover today. Makes you sound like the one and only superhero. Yes, and my best ability is just being myself. (laughs) A human of greatness. Yes, I try to have excellence every day. (laughs) So Aaron, set the story up for me. Like when and why did you move to Korea? Okay, so I moved to Korea March 1st, 2014. So I left home on in February and arrived to Korea in March. Woo, time travel. Uh, <laughs> Don't blink, you'll miss it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I moved there because I was just kind of struggling after graduating, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I knew that I wanted to go visit my friends uh, in both Korea and Japan. And so during the summer after I graduated, I ended up coming across 
a teaching ability uh, uh, opportunity in either Japan, Korea, or China. And I was just more comfortable with Korea since I had lunch with my friends three times a week and we watched variety shows. And a lot of times they spoke in Korean because there was more of them than there were of me. So it just became comfortable. And so I finally got there about March 1st, 2014. Oh, that's cool. What town did you settle in then? Um, so I actually moved around a lot, but at first I was in Gyeongju, which is on the southeast area, not too far south, but it's near Busan, which is a large transportation hub, not the biggest one in the country, but bigger. And then I moved about 30 minutes north to Pohang uh, about seven months later, and then I was there for two months. And then I moved to Namyeongju, which is really close to Seoul, which is, everybody knows Seoul. Well, it's the Olympics, right? <laughs> well, the 88 Olympics, but the 2018 Olympics was in Pyeongchang. But that's okay. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm alive during the 88 Olympics here. Give me some slack. Okay, so history yeah. To me. yeah, the 88 <laughs> Olympics are in Seoul. Yeah. And so then I moved to Namyeongju for less than a year and then i moved to gongju which is a little south of seoul by like an hour and a half i was there for three years and then i moved even farther south to yongguang which is a little fishing town for two years you really did put on some miles yeah um people were joking that i was trying to work in every province no doubt no (laughs) doubt so what were you doing job wise that whole time um, for the main part, I was working in an after-school academy. So what kids would do is after their regular day of school, they'd go to more classes. Um, so a lot of them went to like English ones, math ones, just everything, because they really care about high test scores. And so you want to be the best of the best to be able to go to one of the better universities. So after-school academies are like, super popular. So for the first five years, I worked in different academies. I, the one that was near Seoul was a Christian school, but we still had after school classes. So after school, it was kind of like the academy, but during the day, it was like a Christian school. Okay. And then my last two years was just at public school. So I was done by 4.30. Wow. That's a difference. <laughs> it's a huge difference. Um. Yeah, because with the academy, the kids have to pay extra. And while I was at the one for three years, I only had six days of vacation a year. Wow. And so it's a lot more demanding on the kids and the teachers. Yeah, for uh, sure. Where public school, since it's run by the government, there's a lot more uh, rules that have to be followed. And so I think at one point I made it up to 31 days of vacation for the year, which great. I was able to travel because when I was at the academy and only had six days, I found out the week before when my summer vacation was. (laughs) And so I had plans already the next weekend. So I went to Thailand for one day. (laughs) (laughs) Just popped across the border. I just went over there, hung out with my friend and then came back. Uh, (laughs) That's awesome. But 
whereas like when I was working in public school, I was able to go to like Cambodia for a week, Vietnam for a week, because I had months to plan for it. Sure. Well, and then the the COVID kind of happened. So your travel plans got squished. Well, I went to Cambodia. And then when I came back, that's when they were starting to have the 14 day quarantine. Because at first, when I got back, I went to school and I went to work. I always say school because I work at a school. (laughs) But no, I went to work the next day. And nobody said anything. But then I took the next week, like two weeks off to just kind of, well, I had my three weeks of vacation. I underwear it. So then I, I went somewhere, but now I just want time to relax. Sure. Um, I did nothing except Netflix. Um, <laughs> and chill. Was relaxing. Um, and during that time, that's when the 14 day quarantine was starting to be something that people were considering that they had to do. So I called my main co-teacher that I was working with and asked her because if I went to school on Monday, it would have only been 13 days since I've returned. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, what's what should I come on Monday or should I wait until Tuesday? Sure. And so she at first didn't think it was a big deal because she hadn't really heard anything. And so she called another teacher that was in the same town, but a different school and then called me back and was like, yes, come Tuesday. So that way I had my full 14 day quarantine. So it was mask wearing was kind of normalized there before COVID though, right? Yeah. Because a lot of times, like if you're not feeling well, you wear it just to be courteous to other people. And then also um, they have something called yellow dust. And so it was reported long ago. So it's just pretty much sand coming from like China, maybe Mongolia, probably the Gobi Desert, because that's where there's sand um, and traveling down into Korea. So it's been on record for hundreds of years, but now it has like the pollution attached to it. So it can be really damaging to your lungs. So when that season comes around, (laughs) people are wearing masks everywhere they go. And that's just to protect themselves. So when COVID came and people were saying, you have to wear a mask, that's not a problem. And also the only thing that was having trouble getting during that time was masks. Because I know in the United States, they had like toilet paper that nobody could find. Yes, the great toilet paper shortage of 2020. Yeah. And so the only thing really in Korea that was an issue to find was masks. And so at first the government set it up where you could get masks at the post office, but then you had a line of people at the post office waiting for their masks. And so then what they ended up doing is having it at pharmacies. And depending on the last number of your birth year, you could go on a certain day and get some more. Oh, so my day was Fridays. And then you could pick up whatever you needed then? Yeah. And so they gave you maybe... um, two packs of like two or three masks at a time and then if they were like oh we're doing really well not a whole lot of people have been getting masks this week they'll be like here's some more sure (laughs) yeah and then also when they looked at me they're like um okay here's a large like (laughs) this one is bigger (laughs) so was that the only direction that you were hearing from the government 
Yeah, like pretty much. Um, well, school was supposed to start in March, but they didn't start school until my last week on my contract because my contract finished April 23rd for the school. And then I hung out in Korea for like two more weeks to kind of have time with my friends and be emotional. But yeah, so they started school like the week before my contract finished. So with my middle school I was working at, I didn't teach at all. But my new co-teacher, she was the homeroom teacher for the third graders. So she asked if I wanted to say bye to them. So they had like a little video chat that they were doing and I was able to say bye. Yeah. I just, I love those kids because I had them from when they were first grade, like in Korea in middle schools, they say first, second and third grade, but really it's seventh, eighth and ninth. Okay. Yeah. And then high school, you have first, second and third grade, but it's 10th, 11th, 12th. Sure. So I'm sorry if I say third grade and it's confusing. <laughs> Um, no that's awesome so you were supposed to come no yeah you were supposed to come home in 2020 anyway then at the end of your contract yeah that was the plan uh because I was just getting tired of teaching especially since I was doing academy for so long and only having six days of vacation a year sure and teaching 35 classes a week that's that's tiring for anybody sure so how was your trip home because of the whole quarantine COVID situation? Oh, goodness. Uh, so while I was still in Incheon, so that's where the airport is. Like, I know many people say Seoul, but it's in Incheon, which is just a little west and it's an island. So to even get to the airport, you're on a bridge for like 30 minutes it's not fun because <laughs> you're just like, okay, I'm going to die. Um, uh, anybody else who doesn't really like bridges out there, they understand. Um, <laughs> and so when I got to Incheon, I had to do a questionnaire before I could even check in. And so I tried to check in and they're like, no, did you know, do you do this? And I was like, no. And they're like, so no. <laughs> so then I had to go all the way back to the other side, do the questionnaire. And the only thing I checked is that I had some breathing problems, but I explained that I just, I have asthma. So every day is breathing problems. Right, right. Um, and then they took my temperature. And then finally, they give you like a little form to prove that you did the questionnaire. Went back to check in. Uh, and at first, when we first bought the tickets, it was supposed to be a direct flight to Minneapolis. But since... COVID was changing a lot of stuff. I had to either go through, I don't remember if it was San Francisco or LA. So one of the ones in California or Detroit. So I ended up being changed to go through Detroit. And so at first they didn't have the information. So she just had to make a phone call quick. And then she was able to print my tickets. But for a good minute, I was like, I'm, I, I'm, I have nowhere to live. I can stay at my friends and they said I could if I get stranded in the country but I was just like okay I'm stuck here <laughs> um that was fine and then after that was figured out I got checked in went to the security area and before that there was the cameras that's able to see body temperature sure and so they checked my body temperature and I was okay to keep going and then I went through Korean version of TSA 
And I believe I got my temperature checked again. So that's about three times I'm having my tech temperature checked before even getting to my gate. Sure. And so I get to my gate. Um, I'm on my flight. I had like 18 seats to myself. I'm not complaining. Right. I should have taken more advantage of that. But I didn't like crumple myself. I just let myself be. So I took a little advantage. <laughs> and so I get to Detroit because I was supposed to go there because they said they were doing testing. So I'm supposed to go to either one of the ones in California or Detroit because they're a testing center. Well, I get there. And when you come into the United States, you have to grab your bags and then give them to another place just to like, okay, you kind of went through customs, something like that. I gave it to the guy who was putting them back on the conveyor and I go through customs, whatever, nothing, no paperwork, nothing at all. Get to my gate, get on my flight to Minneapolis, nothing, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> nothing in Minneapolis. I'm like, okay, maybe they'll have like, since I didn't get tested in Michigan and like nothing really happened, maybe they'll have like a brochure to tell me what I need to do in Minneapolis. I didn't see anybody who worked there. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> like... I went to the escalator. I went to the baggage claim. I saw my mother. I got my bags. And so finally, when I got home, I Googled what I was supposed to do. And it just said, if you come into contact with somebody, you need a quarantine for 14 days. How am I supposed to know if I came into contact with anybody? I was just on in three different airports and two different planes. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know who I came in contact with. And this was March of 2020, right? No, May. May. Yeah, because I arrived in Minneapolis May 11th. Okay. 2020. So we'd already been through about six weeks of COVID talk by that point. Yeah. And so, like, there was just, there was nothing. I freely came into the country and I had to Google what I needed to do. And then even my Google answer wasn't very helpful. So did you kind of feel like you had a leg up on the other people in the U.S. when you're trying to understand the pandemic? Kind of, because I know Korea had had different theories and different studies that they had done since the end of January. And so that's four months worth of information when, um, when I was looking at some of the election stuff. And they said that they've been dealing with COVID since March. And every single time I just go like, oh, honey, that wasn't, that was, that was too late. Because <laughs> it's COVID-19. So that means China has been dealing with it since December 2019. And then Korea started maybe January, February. Because February, when I came back, after a couple of days, they were like, no, you need to be on a 14-day quarantine. And so to hear people in politics say March is just, I feel like I'm being stabbed in the chest. Yeah, it's different perspective. 
So what else have you been doing since you returned then? You did your quarantine. What else has been going on since then? I've been, during summer, I didn't really do a whole lot. I just kind of used that time to relax because I'd been working nonstop for the past six years. Like even between jobs, I maybe had a week and that was just to move, like pack and move, which that's not much of a rest. I admit I was kind of lazy when I came back because I was just tired. Um, So summer just tried to spend some time with my brother and his family and my parents. Uh, I did a lot of work in the garden. Nice. Had some fresh tomatoes every day. Nice. And then in August, I started working as a special ed para at a middle school. Actually, the middle school that I went to in middle school. So it just kind of blows my mind that I went there in middle school, moved to Korea for six years, and now I'm back at the same middle school. And you're still in the middle of this hybrid distance learning stuff as well. Yeah, it's been really interesting because I just I'm not completely comprehending how they're making these decisions. And so I'm not for it or against it. I'm just thinking, okay, but why? What are you going to remember most about this year? It's been a huge change. Because just the fact of living in one country and then moving to another is huge. Because when I moved to Korea, I don't feel like I had very much culture shock. But since I've moved back, I've definitely had a lot of reverse culture shock. Ooh, tell Uh, me more. Well, for instance, like today, I was talking to some coworkers and I used the phrase FOMO, which is the fear of missing out. And one of them didn't know it, but I knew it. So I was just so proud of myself because usually it's quite the opposite. All of my friends at work are saying all these different things. I'm just like, but what does that mean? (laughs) So I just kind of feel like I've missed out on a bunch of little things. And so it's those little things that I just I don't understand, really. And so I feel like I constantly need like somebody to translate for me (laughs) you need american 101 exactly and so i'm working on being american again but it's taking time so i kind of be like i am korean but i am definitely not (laughs) yeah you're not one nor the other at this point are you no so i've just gotten so used to like some of the cultures and like some of the culture there the food Like, that's been one thing that's been weird, Um, because the food here is just so bland compared to Korea, which isn't a bad thing, because, like, I love a Thanksgiving meal. Sure. (laughs) Like, that's my favorite meal. (laughs) But in Korea, like, they use, like, a lot of chili paste and powder, and so you kind of just get used to that, Mm -hmm. and suddenly when you're not eating it, you're like, oh, what is this flavor that I had my whole childhood, but I'm not used to right now? It's called pepper. It's pepper. Well, I don't eat pepper. I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> you had one job. I don't like. I don't like black pepper, but I like red pepper. Oh, now you're getting into technicalities. Yeah. Okay. Oh, goodness. 
Erin, <laughs> this has been so much fun hearing about your experience overseas and talking a little COVID with you. And hopefully we can get some updates in the future as you acclimatize a little bit more. I would for sure love that. So thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Read all about it in the Noka County Library Minute. Hello, everyone. My name is Haley Coble, and I'm an adult services librarian at the Northtown Library in Anoka County. I've prepared a few sources for you today um, with information about South Korea, as well as information about the COVID-19 pandemic. The first book I wanted to talk about is actually not a book, but is a DVD. So for those of you who prefer to learn by watching, um, the DVD South Korea, hosted by Ian Wright, is available at Anoka County. Um, in this film, Wright visits some of the biggest cities in South Korea and the border between South and North Korea and learns about the people of South Korea and their culture. I also wanted to include in this list Banned Book Club by Hyun Suk Kim. This book is actually a young adult graphic novel, but it is also a memoir. Young Kim Hyun-suk tells her experience of joining a banned book club in college in the midst of an authoritarian regime. This comic is set in 1983 during South Korea's Fifth Republic, and Hyun-suk finds herself torn between being safe and between her new friends and ideas from the book club. Another book I wanted to include about Korea is The Birth of Korean Cool by Yuni Hong. So in this book, Yuni Hong discusses the launch of South Korea into popular culture. Along with these sources, we also have tons of books about the Korean War, most of them from the American perspective. At the same time, we also have a lot of fiction and memoir about the impact of the Korean War on Korean individuals. Regarding the pandemic, I wanted to include a couple of books. The first book I have here is COVID-19, The Pandemic That Never Should Have Happened and How to Stop the Next One by Deborah McKenzie. This book by Deborah McKenzie suggests that there are a number of ways in which the world could have prepared for an outbreak of a virus like COVID-19, but failed to. Rather than posting what might happen with a pandemic that is not yet under control, McKenzie instead looks at what went wrong leading up to the outbreak and makes suggestions for ways in which we might avoid a situation like this one when the next epidemic comes around. We also have a number of children's nonfiction and picture books about COVID-19. These are excellent for the information in them, as well as a great way to talk to young children who might be struggling to understand the concept of the pandemic. Thank you very much for joining us today, and happy reading. Get those library cards and reserve your copy today. Sarah, this interview got me thinking. We are literally one month away from this being a one-year anniversary to when we first closed the museum for COVID. That is an amazing thing to think about. One year that we have been doing remote working, we've been taking appointments, we've had a moratorium on bringing things into the collection. It's changed the way that we worked and run the museum in a lot of ways, but 
in the essential core of who we are and what we do, that hasn't changed at all, really. We're still telling stories. We're still working with the collections here, still doing the Noka County history thing. It just looks a little different. We're still getting an awful lot of requests for research help over email and phone calls and things too. So the yeah. interaction with the public is definitely still there. Uh, right now, if anybody's curious, we are open for appointments on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. So some limited appointment hours, but we have staff in the building working at other times, as well as working remotely as needed on other days of the week. Yep. And we're trying to figure out what summer programming might look like if we could have another Jello cook-off. But it's, it's so far to look that far ahead. I don't know what the world is going to look like in three weeks, let alone three months. You know how, how Google and those guys give you those, hey, remember when videos? <laughs> yes. Okay. So my kiddo apparently had some candle blowing thing going on when she was back in her younger years. And I watched this video on Google and my stomach just churned and I turned green and I'm thinking, ew, and all that spit over all of those candles over all that cake. And we actually ate it after she blew all over it. I, I can't go back. I think after this year, there are many things that, that have changed. And I don't know if blowing out candles is ever going to go back to normal. I'm never going to be able to eat another kid's, kid spit cupcake ever. It's not going to happen. <laughs> they will spit over their cupcake and you will have your spit free one. I would welcome anyone out there in podcasting land to send us some notes about things like that, that you've realized that you're never going to do because of COVID. Like whether your personal bubble has gotten so much bigger or, you know, just these these little quirky things that have changed over the last year for you. Always taking in the current history so that we can leave breadcrumbs for the future. Remember, the present is the past of the future. We'll see you next time for our next podcast. It's a date, Sarah. See you then. Bye. If you have a question or you would like to share your own story with us, you can find us at anokacountyhistory.org. We are all over social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for all who scroll by. For our members and donors, you can find special access to podcast extras, as well as the latest digital resources at our vault located on the website. History 21 is a production of the Anoka County Historical Society. Remember, the present is the past of the future.